Well, good morning. It is wonderful to have you all here this morning on this New Year's Day 2019. And if I say it enough times, I'll be writing it correctly. Instead of 2018, I'll be doing 2019. Please join me as we sing the doxology, which is found in the red hymnal number 549, the doxology. Happy is the man who walks not the way of the wicked, who treads not the highway of sin, nor sits in the seat of the cynic, but he delights in the Lord's instruction and studies that teaching both day and night. He becomes like a tree planted by rivers of water, bearing its fruit in due season, with leaves that are always green, and all that he does he succeeds. Not so the wicked. For he is like the wind-blown chaff, therefore the wicked cannot stand in judgment nor sinners in the righteous assembly. The Lord watches over the path of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads nowhere. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 382, Be Still My Soul, hymn number 382. Disappointment 
as we begin the new year, one of the things that I put out uh, yesterday, in fact, was may we welcome what has been, what is, and what we hope will be. And I hope that that is our prayer. I hope that that is how we live our life. May we welcome what has been, what is, and what we hope will be. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you've just given us this wonderful time on this New Year's Day 2019 to come and worship you. And Lord, I can't think of a better way to begin a new year than the worship in this chapel with fellow believers in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is so good. And God, we come before you with the needs and requests that we have in our lives. And Lord, as we begin this new year, God, I would ask that as we pray for the things that we are trying to overcome, the challenges that we are facing, that we will welcome the things in our lives that have been in the past, that is in the present. And Lord, we are looking to you for the hope in the future because we know that you care about all of those things. And Lord, we are so thankful for them, even in the most difficult times as we review them in our lives. But God, somehow you give us the strength and the courage to praise you for those things. And Lord, we think of the needs of family members and of friends. We think of the needs of the patients here throughout this medical center, the staff that is working, Lord, the families that will be visiting. And God, in the same way as one accord that they too will welcome what has been, what is, and what they hope will be, and that they, they would put their trust and confidence in you in all things. And God, we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 386, I Am Weak, But Thou Art Strong. Hymn number 386, I Am Weak, But Thou Art Strong.
closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, beginning with verse 36. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king, in fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Amen. Let us pray. God... We just praise you for this time of worship that we can have. And God, I would ask that we would just continue that time of worship and praise and that you would help me say the things that we all need to hear so that we can draw closer to you. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Well, today is the first day of the new year. And I need to ask, as I asked myself and as I asked Lynn this morning already, what will be your New Year's resolution? Or what should be your New Year's resolution? Perhaps that's even a better question. What should be? What should be your New Year's resolution? And from a spiritual point of view, from our walk in faith with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our New Year's resolution for that should be that we walk in truth in all things. So I want us to think about this day, New Year's Day, and it is my hope and prayer that all of us have a beginning in truth, not just on the first day of the new year, but every day in our lives, that we begin our day with truth. And what does that represent? What does that truth represent for us as followers of Jesus Christ. And Jesus made it very clear here that he came and was born to be that truth. He came into the world to testify to the truth. We just got done celebrating Christmas and 
Christ's birth and all of those good things that go along with it, but the reason why Christ was born was that he came into the world to testify to the truth, the truth about who he was being the Son of God, being the Son of God. But then we're faced with that question, what is truth? How do we begin with truth on a daily basis? How do we begin with truth for the new year? Well, we're doing the right thing by beginning with truth by coming to worship here on this day. Because we are doing so with the hope that we believe in a truth that should be represented in all the different things in our lives. And one of the things that I've been doing Recently, as I've been listening to an audio book and as I've been walking back and forth to different locations and sometimes when I'm driving in my car, I listen to this audio book and one of the things that it's talking about is the representation of who we are in our lives. And it begins in the preface of the book by talking about the whole idea of those things that are external, those things that are internal, and those things that are eternal. And I can't think of a better way to represent what truth should be in our lives by looking at it from those three perspectives. What is external, what is internal, and what is eternal. And if we can take the truth of Jesus Christ and incorporate it into those three aspects of our lives, I think that we will have it. I think that we will be made complete. And we talked about on the last Sunday of the year about the whole idea of being complete in Christ, not wanting anything in our lives. And incorporating that truth for the whole purpose for us to be mature in Christ and for us to be made complete. I think the external part of our lives, I think we can do that pretty easy because as you grow up, you learn how to play the game, you learn how to put on your game face, you learn how to respond and react to certain situations where other people are, don't think of anything or they don't suspect anything about you, they won't be able to identify the true feelings that are taking place in your life. And I think as most people, we do that pretty good, we put on that facade, we put on those things that are fake, because it's very easy for us to fake the external in our lives. What's really taking place, we can fake it. We can, if you will, present ourselves in such a way that everything is okay and everything is great and everything is okay with me and everything's okay with God and everything's okay with my family. But inside, we know that those things are not true and then it's just a lie. So the external things I think we do pretty well. We can put on that smile face. In fact, I have a hard time trusting anyone who's always smiling. You know people like that, that they're always smiling? You're like, come on, man. You're always smiling. I know that I can't trust you, because I know that there's got to be something going on in your life. Show me some real emotions. Show me who you really are. So the external part, I think we got that. I think we understand when we are faking it and when we're not being real. And there are certain circumstances where we have to fake it, right? 
because the reality of our lives is we travel in different circles with different type of people and sometimes we just have to fake it because you know what we just don't trust everybody who's around us and what they might see in us and how they might use that against us and that's part of that reality that we live in so I think the external part we know what that is we, we, we can handle that but then we get into the internal part the part in our lives that nobody knows about the part in our lives in which we keep the deepest, darkest secrets that we have, the part in our lives that the only other person who knows really, truly who we are is God. Because I think a lot of times in the internal perspective within our own lives, sometimes we don't even know who we are. So I don't even want to put me in that category and I don't want to put you in that category because internally sometimes that when we take place and we do certain things and we try to explain it to ourselves, we're still left with a blank because we just don't sometimes understand the things that we do regardless of how much self-awareness that we have. But God understands. God understands those things that transpire in our lives that are truly our innermost part of our being in terms of who we are. We can try to give an explanation to it. We can try to say it's this or that or the other thing. But really, the only person who truly knows us is God. And how do we know that? Well, I know that when I want certain things in my life and I've prayed for certain things in my life and God said, no, I'm not going to have those certain things in my life and I was disappointed and I was upset about it but yet I knew down the road that God would be right. Right? So right, we don't really know ourselves, do we? Because we pray for certain things, we ask for certain things because of our emotions and because of our feelings and our pride and all of those kind of things. And God says no to those things. And we argue with God about it. But then we understand down the road that God was right and not answering our prayers. So that's what I mean by the internal part of it. Does that make sense? We can all identify with that, right? So God knows us better than ourselves. So how do we amplify that? How do we, how do we make that better? How do we take that truth within our own lives and get to know ourselves better the way that, that God knows us? The only way that I can see to do that is just to be always honest with God. To understand that God, you know, by the grace of God, in your my life and in your life, Go I, go you, go me. And understanding that within that grace, somehow that truth is revealed to us. Because truth is knowable, maybe not to the completeness and to the maturity that God wants us to have, but truth is knowable in ourselves. And truth is also revealed. And maybe that's where we get to that point where God just says, you know what, I know all about you, let me handle it, let me take care of it. You can pray for all of those silly things that you want to pray for, and you can ask for faith, and you can ask for strength, and you can ask for courage, you can ask for comfort, you can ask for vision, but you know what, everything is based on my will for your life. And I think that's a revelation that you and I need to expound upon every day in our lives. The revelation that somehow, even through the most difficult circumstances, God is working his will for our lives. I don't know about you, but I don't want those difficult circumstances. 
I don't want those challenges. I want life to be easy. I don't want life to be difficult. But yet we find ourselves dealing with those things, those challenges, things not being easy, just by the fact that we're just going through life. We're experiencing life the way God wants us to experience it. And somehow the end result will be those things in which we just praise God and we understand that as we walk with God, we truly do walk by faith and not by sight. And then we see the truth being revealed, the nature and the true nature of God in our lives, which leads to that completion, which leads to that maturity. Because within our own lives, we know that we are walking in that truth if we are consistent in what we believe in. The practices in our lives, the things that we do every day. And I am not perfect. There's not a day that goes by that I don't say something that I don't regret, that I get a little snappy, I say something stupid, I shouldn't have said that, I say something that's inappropriate, language comes out of my mouth that I don't want my mother to hear because if my mother was with me today, she would slap my face, put soap in my mouth. You get all that, right? And we do those things. But yet I know that God is working on me so that I can be consistent in my walk with God the consistent in the truth that God wants me to reveal of what is taking place internally. Internally. And then we get to the other part that God wants us to think about and those things that are eternal. The things that truly matter. And Christ tells us here in the scriptures that he came and that his kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of heaven is what God wants us to focus on. Are we doing those things for the eternal part of our lives? The things that truly matter. You know, we have sang a bunch of hymns and it kind of gives us the, the course of our lives in each one of those hymns. We have a beginning, we have a middle, and we have an end. We have the external, we have the internal, and then we have the eternal. And in the same way, God wants us to take that truth of what is eternal, the eternity part of our lives, the kingdom of God part of our lives, the kingdom of heaven part of our lives, because that is something that you and I should never forget. It is an essential part of what we believe in. And as we have talked about over the last couple of weeks, the whole idea of understanding the miracles that can take place in your life and in my life, And part of understanding the miracles that God has working in our lives is for us to understand those things that are eternal in our lives. Because that's where our focus should be. That's where our vision should be. And yes, we go through the daily routine, the things that we have to do, the maintenance things of life. We do all of those things. But in that process, we don't forget those things that last forever that lasts for eternity. I've been here at this chapel for a long time. And a lot of chaplains that I have served with, they are now with the Lord. 
And if they could provide any message or insight to me or you, they would say that what truly matters is those things that are eternal. And I don't want to forget that. Because there were times as we worked together, those chaplains that are now with the Lord, is their focus was not those things that were eternal. But they are now. And that is a reality that you and I cannot escape. But God tells us not to be fearful of those things that are eternal. Put my faith, put your faith and your trust in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you don't have to worry about what's going to take place in the eternal because then we understand and we identify what is essential because your kingdom and my kingdom is not of this world so our attitudes and our actions those things that are external those things that are internal those things that are eternal needs to rely totally on our relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ and as we begin with that truth we can see that we are on the path of completion and of maturity that God wants us to have in our daily walk with Him. And it is not perfection. You and I will never be perfect. You and I will never be complete until we are fulfilling God's will for our lives in that which is eternal. Then we will be made perfect. I don't know what perfect is, but I know it's going to be what God wants it to be for my life and for your life. But yet we strive for that. We strive to do those things that bring honor and glory to God. We strive for those things that bring holiness and righteousness to God. Not the things that we do in our own strength or in our, in our own power, but it's the Holy Spirit that is working daily in our lives that reminds us of the truth that we are to have in all aspects of our lives. So that we can truly say, may we welcome what has been, may we welcome what is, and may we welcome what we hope will be in heaven for all of us. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for communion, understanding that it gives us a wonderful opportunity to publicly testify that we want to walk in truth in all aspects of our lives. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that we are here, and God, we just want to have a beginning in truth. And Lord, in that process, we confess those things that have separated us from that truth. Those things that we have done incorrectly, the wrongs that we have done, the sins that we have committed. Lord, we just say, forgive us. Forgive me. Because God, that is the path of truth that you want us to be on. Understanding the forgiveness that we have for all the things in our lives that we have done wrong. And God, help us to reveal that truth in our lives by forgiving others, 
And as we've talked about before, Lord, that forgiveness is giving up the perceived right to get even. It's giving up the whole idea that we are owed something and it is a canceled debt. Because, God, we know that you've done those three things for us because of what your Son did on the cross, that we should do those same three things for others. Help us, God, to do that. And thank you that we can have this communion together. In Christ's name, amen. unto you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way after supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn is number 389, Just As I Am Without One Plea. Will welcome 
God, thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for the beautiful hymns that we have sung together to begin this new year walking in your truth. Help us, God, to do that. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming. scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Amen. As I was reading this portion of scripture the other day, it struck me with the fact that as this story is being described to us, that the disciples did not know the end of the story. And so when we read it, when we see it, when we try to evaluate it, we understand the end of the story. And when this event took place, the disciples did not have the end of the story yet. So quite simply, I think when we look at the disciples and we see many times their lack of faith, I know that I ask myself the question, why couldn't the disciples see who Jesus Christ truly was the Son of God. Well, they had not seen the end of the story yet. And you and I have. So we have that perspective of looking at the story from a different understanding and a different point of view because we know 
the end of the story. But the disciples did not. So if it is possible for us, which is hard for us to do, to look at it from the disciples' point of view at that place in time and what they were encountering, their feelings, their fears, not knowing who completely Jesus was, and they go to Jesus and they wake him up and they ask him the question, don't you care if we drown. And I think even you and I, even though we know the end of the story, I think we ask God and we ask Christ the same question many times when we are going through the storms in our own lives. Don't you care? Don't you know what I am personally experiencing? Don't you care about what's taking place around me right now, God? And I think many times the Spirit of God has to remind us, as Jesus reminded the disciples, yes, I do care. I do care about the storms that are going on. I do care about your personal safety. I do care about your fears. But unlike the storm who listens to Christ and says, quiet, be still, we have a hard time hearing that when the wind and the waves through the circumstances and challenges in our life, we ask God to help us. And Jesus tells us, many times he has told me, quiet and be still. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, what a Savior. The pain and the agony that he went through the time in Gethsemane when he asked the Lord God to take this whole situation away from him because he did not want to experience what was waiting for him. And he asked God if it would be possible to take this cup away. And so we know that. We see that picture. We understand that. But the disciples did not. But yet we still ponder as the disciples did, even though we know the end of the story. Be still. So if I can put myself aside, I can hear that, the Spirit of God speaking to me. Can you do the same? It's something that I struggle with every day to put my will aside and to hear God speaking to me, quiet, be still. And when I am quiet, when I am still, I truly do hear and understand what God 
is communicating to me. Over the last couple of weeks, Lynn and I, we've been having these different opportunities when we are speaking with our children. And usually I'm pretty reserved when I'm with our kids and I don't share a whole lot. Every once in a while I do, and when I start sharing, it's kind of hard to shut me up and to turn me off. And so we've had funny opportunities when Lynn was trying to jump into the conversation and I was not allowing her. I just kept talking because I had to make my point. And the kids were teasing with me. They were saying, Dad, give Mom a say. Mom wants to speak. You keep interrupting her. So we've been joking about it. We've been having fun with it. Because the kids in a wonderful way, in respect to me, they were saying, Dad, quiet, be still, let Mom speak. Let's hear what Mom has to say, because we want to hear from both of you. Perhaps, but for this purpose and this purpose only, to further the plan that God has for you, to further that plan that God has for each other, that we have access to that power. And it is there we are reminded by the end of the scriptures here that we have read that we are to set our minds on the fact that you and I have access to that power. That you and I have a greater God. That you and I should not be limited by our own circumstances in terms of how we can see God working in our own lives. Working in the lives of others. Working in the lives of our community and which we are a part of. And Jesus reminds us that yes, we have access that is something far greater than ourselves. And that's where we see and have an understanding of the faith that God wants us to have that we are missing out on. And I don't think we'll ever have the complete amount of faith that God wants us to have, but I think we need to continue to pursue that and even in my own verbiage, I use the words think. It has to be rational. It has to make common sense. But I have to remind myself that even in my own words, that faith transcends any type of rational common sense thinking that I can have. It transcends my words. Look how I've been taught. I'm actually speaking of it. I'm using words to try to say the limits of God's faith. That God says there is no limits to the faith that God wants us to have. There is no limits in terms of what we can ask of God. There is no limits in terms of what God can do for us, can do for others, can do for our community. Somehow there is a process in which we have to rid ourselves of that. 
and look at, not at the objectivity, not at the facts, but look at those things that are subjective, to look at those things that make no sense at all. And we see the working of God. And even then, we try to anticipate. Even then, we try to use our own thought process. Oh, God, I see what you're doing. And the answer to that question is, no, I don't truly see what God is doing. Because what God is doing in our lives, what God is doing in the lives of others, what God is doing in our community transcends all of our understanding. Transcends all of the things that we believe in. Because God is far greater than the limitation of our own faith that we have. And we have to take that leap of faith, that leap in believing. And then we can truly see and understand what Jesus is telling his disciples. That when the storms happen, and Christ tells us through the power of his Holy Spirit in our lives, quiet and be still, and we respond accordingly, with no fears, no anxieties, no hang-ups. We put our pride aside. And then we truly see the faith that God has working in our lives. The faith that God wants us to have that have replaced our own faith. Because our own faith about believing in God has limitations. And then we can truly understand, who is this working in my life? It is God working. It is God that is there, that is calming the wind and the waves and the storms in my life. To fulfill the purpose that he has for me. To fulfill the purpose that he has for others to fulfill the purpose that he has for our community. And then we can just say, God, I don't understand all of it, but I want to praise you and thank you for you working in my life and helping me to see the storms helping me to understand how it is in your exclusive power that you have handled those circumstances, those challenges, and have calmed the storms in my life. Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.